RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to the latest edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by our good friends at RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. And a big welcome back to Amanda Stein. Amanda, good I'm to be with you today. So excited. I'm so excited. I mean, this has been just a wild year and time was, you know, very limited. So I'm so happy to be back on the podcast. And, you know, I see you on Zoom through this. So it's just I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, it is fantastic. So catch our listeners up with what you've been doing since you said farewell to New Jersey to go back <laughs> home to Canada. So I've been home for almost two weeks now, and I'm pretty you know, consistent in how I know that because I'm still in quarantine. In Canada, you have to quarantine for two weeks when you arrive home or when you arrive into the country. So I have three more days left in that, but that doesn't matter. Um, you know, I've just been hanging out, and I, I know it sounds maybe bad, but just getting away from the game, getting away from work, it was a really difficult season in terms of the mental fortitude one needed. Um, so it's been great to just sort of relax, watch a bunch of TV shows. And um, I also, um, well, I, I essentially pulled three ligaments in my foot. Oh. Uh, so Jeez, I've been, uh, yeah, I've honestly, I, again, like I know I told you this, Maddie, I wish I had a cool story, but I don't, I was walking to the car, I hit a crevice um, and I turned over my ankle and that was sort of it. It blew up to about six times its size and uh, yeah, three ligament tears, but been hanging out in a boot. <laughs> not one of those boots but I might as well do it in quarantine right like I can't go anywhere I can't do anything so exactly. this, is, this is the time to do it <laughs> exactly well we wish you a speedy recovery oh, now I know you. <laughs> when you got into the business you did not know that your career path would take you to New Jersey at I, all I don't think I, right no was, I know I kind, can tell you like it really surprised me that this is where I ended up yeah and that is a thread that really ties you into our guest today, Nico Dawes, because even just a few years ago, never mind becoming a member of the New Jersey Devils family, just getting to the NHL, honestly, yeah. he was off the radar, but certainly put himself quickly back on it. Yeah. And he'd be the first to tell you that, you know, he had to sort of sit down with himself and say, okay, this is what I want to do. I've got to do it and I've got to do it right. Um, but yeah, you know, I didn't know much about Nico or actually really, I didn't know anything about Nico before he was drafted. Nico Dawes, I should say, um, for uh, our team last year, but reading his story and reading about how far he came um, is really like, it's a really good story and perseverance just mm -hmm. to slowly attain one goal after another, you know, whether it's, 
getting drafted into the OHL and then, you know, becoming a starting goaltender and just all those little things. He's really um, a study in perseverance. He is indeed. He won the 2020 Jim Rutherford Goalie of the Year Award in the Ontario Hockey League while playing for the Guelph Storm. And he was drafted in the third round with the 84th overall pick in the 2020 draft by the New Jersey Devils. And late in May, signed his ELC and is officially a member of the New Jersey Devils. And on that note, we welcome Nico Dawes to the podcast. Nico, thanks very much for joining us. Tell us what went into your decision to sign your ELC and how excited are you about joining the New Jersey Devils officially? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, to get that, uh, that message that, you know, I was going to be signing was, it was really exciting for me. You know, it's one of those things that, I mean, you dream of as a kid, you know, it's one step closer to uh, being in the NHL and, you know, that's, uh, that's where I want to be one day. So, um, you know, that's how I look at it. And I was, uh, I was really excited and, uh, you know, really grateful. Your journey begins in Munich, Germany. You were born there. When did you come to Canada and what made your parents move to Canada from Germany? Um, well, I was, I was about six months old when we moved back to Canada, but both of my parents were, I think they were, well, yeah, they were both born in Canada and, um, it was my mom's parents that were, uh, from Germany and they had moved back there. And I think my mom moved back with them and my dad followed suit and uh, they ended up getting married down there and had my older sister and I, and then, um, I'm not exactly sure why we moved back to Canada. I think my mom's parents moved back eventually as well, but um, yeah, I've been living here ever since. And I mean, I love it here in Canada. I also love it in Germany though. So your feet uh, in two continents in North America and in <laughs> Europe and in two countries in Canada and Germany. So when did this hockey journey begin for you? Um, I was really young. I mean, my dad likes to tell people that my first word was hockey. I don't know if I believe him, but, um, you know, I was really young when I started taking skating lessons. I think I was about three years old and I absolutely hated it. I just wanted to play hockey. And, uh, you know, I started actually playing as a player when I was, I think, four or five years old. And I mean, I wasn't a very good player. I couldn't really skate that well. I just tried to block shots and everything. And I think that's where uh, the decision came in to start trying out goalie and it was funny the way I started playing goalie. We were, I was playing house league and we were in a tournament in the States and we played against, I think either select or rep teams that, I mean, obviously a lot better than us as a house league team. So, um, you know, I decided to go in net for the tournament and worst goaltending performance you ever seen. I think we lost <laughs> probably by, we probably lost by 10 goals each of the games, but for some reason I absolutely loved it. And, you know, from then on is when, uh, that's how my goaltending career started. It's only up from there, right? Exactly. Like can't, 10, get any 13, going, can't get any worse. Can't get any worse. How old were you at that time? Like, I think I've read that you were about like five years old then. Yeah, I was probably, probably six. Yeah, six years old, maybe something like that. Do you remember like, you know, making that decision to, you know, be full-time goaltending? That's what you want to focus on. And maybe like having that type of conversation with your parents. I know you were little, but, you know, that's, you know, asking a lot of parents to watch, you know, your young son turn into a goaltender. Yeah, definitely. Uh, very stressful for the parents on, you know, <laughs> themselves and their wallets as well. But um, and my dad, I mean, he always gave me the option when you know, I told him I wanted to be a goalie and try it out. You know, he was so... He was so excited, you know, he went out, and we bought a pair of pads and I think we got a pair of used pads. It's my first set and 
you know, I tried out for rep and I didn't make the rep team, but I made the select team. And, you know, the option was there, you know, my dad would send me down every year. Like, if you don't want to do it anymore, you can go back to player. You can stop playing, you know, the, my parents were always super supportive in that sense. And so I was, you know, they've been, they've been so good to me growing up, but yeah, that was, uh, once I started, I never looked back. <laughs> And I imagine, you know, as a kid growing up in Canada, it's one thing to, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're going along your jersey, your journey, but to be, you know, selected in an OHL draft in a CHL draft, I should say, that must've been pretty cool too. Yeah. That was really kickstart things. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that was really special for me. I mean, coming from, uh, you know, my minor hockey team, which, you know, we weren't really good. I think we probably won less than 10 games in my minor midget year and, you know, I probably didn't have great stats because, you know, we were getting outshot and all that every single game. But, you know, to be able to get drafted, you know, seventh round, of course, like that was I mean, when I had talked to my agent, I wasn't really I just picked up an agent that year. And, you know, I didn't really think I was going to get drafted till I mean, if at all, like later round. So to see my name go in the seventh round, that was, you know, that was really special for me. And, you know, especially for my parents as well, you know, a place like Wealth where it's close to home and you know, they can still feel a part of it and not to be too out of the loop. I think that was, uh, that was really important. Do you, I know you have two sisters. Do they play hockey too? Or are you no. the sole hockey guy? <laughs> yeah, no, they're, uh, they're very musical actually. Um, okay. my, uh, my mom's brother. So my uncle, he was in a, uh, he was in a pretty famous band. Well, a couple of them, he was in, uh, the spoons and the honeymoon suite. I know the spoons. So, yeah. Yeah. So he was, uh, he was the keyboardist for, for those bands. And so my sister's got that side and I got the, the athletic side. Where did that come from? The athletic side? Uh, you know, I would assume from my, I mean, nobody on my mom's side is sporty at all. I, I would assume it comes from my dad's side. You talked about uh, being drafted by Guelph. Before that, though, you played for the Burlington Eagles, and you talked about some of the struggles. But just talk about playing for your hometown team, and uh, you know some of the mates you had then, or you're still friends with them, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, that was. I mean, I got a couple of good buddies that I still, you know, talk to all the time uh, from that team. And, you know, it was a good group of guys, and you know, we weren't great at hockey, but we had a lot of fun playing. And- <laughs> You know, there's a, there's not a lot of guys that are still playing from that team. I mean, there's a couple, but, um, you know, I'm still pretty good buddies with most of those guys. When you got drafted, obviously you're excited about the opportunity to continue playing at a higher level, uh, not expected, but you go in the seventh round and yet the first couple of years, you didn't play much. So the disappointment follow, you know, that follows the excitement and then what it took to push through all that disappointment to continue to the point where eventually you were drafted by the Devils. Yeah, I, uh, it was a tough few years for me. I think, you know, I had a lot of growing and maturing to do. And, you know, it was really hard for me to see that time. But looking back, I mean, I should have made that decision a lot earlier to really, you know, go all in. But after I got drafted and I went and played midget and, um, you know, it was a fun year. Um, the owner of one of the owners of Guelph has like, he coached that team because his son was on it. So, you know, playing in the GTHL, that was, that was good for me. And it, it gave me a chance to, you know, play a lot of games, which, you know, maybe I wouldn't have done if I played junior A and then coming into the OHL, you know, I just don't think, I mean, not that I wasn't ready. I don't think I was mentally prepared, you know, for, for the real grind of, you know, junior, you know, top league. I mean, OHL is one of the top junior leagues in the world. So, uh, I think coming in, I was, you know, I was young, I was still 17 years old and, you know, I was 
overweight and you know I didn't have that work ethic that I needed to have and I think that's where my struggles came from and you know you get down on yourself pretty easily as you know that was something that it took me a while to learn is you know you have to have confidence and confidence is you know kind of what gives you everything and I didn't have a lot of confidence back then and um especially that first year I think I started seven or eight games and you know really just wasn't playing great and uh, you know I started to question myself like can I really do this you know is this for me and um yeah it took a lot of soul searching and uh you know second year I came back and a lot more positive year um you know having a chance to play a few more games and get a little more confidence and comfortable in the net and uh, I think that really helped me and you know I was hoping to get drafted that year and obviously I didn't um, uh, I got invited to uh, a uh, rookie tournament and it ended up falling through. And, you know, I think all of those things just kind of helped build up my motivation for uh, that last year I had in Guelph and that big push. Yeah, that was uh, Chicago where it didn't work out going to the Travis Traverse City tournament. And so you have all these disappointments. What was there a bottom or what was the turning point where you said, you know what, uh, I, I have some of this in my own hands. I've got to turn this around. I think uh, when we got back from the Memorial Cup in Halifax and I got home, I think that's when I made the decision to, you know, go all in. I, I kind of figured, you know, one of my last chances, last real good chances, you know, coming into my 19-year-old year, it's, uh, it was a pivotal point of my career, you know, making that decision and, you know, immediately losing weight and really putting in that work and understanding, you know, what needs to happen for me to get to where I want to be and, you know, I had such a good summer, you know, I did all the right things and really taught myself everything that I needed to know on, you know, about my body and about, you know, what works for me and what doesn't work. And coming into the season, I just felt like I had, you know, nothing to lose. Like I had no pressure on me. It was just uh, almost easy in a sense to be able to go in and not worry about anything but playing hockey. Was there any conversations you had with, you know, maybe someone in particular, whether it's a coach, a mentor or something that helped you in that soul searching process? Because it's not always easy to kickstart that on your own. And maybe that is what you did. But can you sort of think back to maybe a conversation you would have had with someone who fits into like a mentor kind of role? I mean, there's a few people that come to mind. I mean, obviously, my parents, you know, they've they've always been so good and, and so supportive. But I mean, my uh, strength coach that I work with, Brandon Cacciamiglio, he was uh, he was a big part of it. And my goalie mm -hmm. coach from uh, Matt Smith as well. They were instrumental keys to uh, I mean, getting to me to where I am now. And uh, especially uh, Brandon, he, uh, you know, I told him, like, this is what I want to do. I want to diet. I want to I want to really make a push. And, you know, he helped me out. He was so great. And he's been great to this day. And same with Matt on the ice. I mean, he's always been good. I met him. He was the goalie coach in Guelph when I got drafted there and I started working with him and, you know, we really hit it off and, you know, everybody's just been so good to me. I got a great group of people around me and I've been really lucky. Um, you know, everybody's helped me out and they've gotten to me to where I am now for sure. So when you have that unique experience last year of, you know, having a draft, but you can't be there in person, it's all done virtually a very unique situation, but Regardless, I would imagine that emotion of hearing your name, um, having your family around you, especially after all that you had been through and, you know, telling yourself as a young man, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. That must have been, I, I mean, just explain to me what that moment really meant to you. 
Yeah, it was definitely emotional. Um, you know, you work so hard for something and to see it finally pay off is uh, it's a really special moment. And, you know, to have all my family and friends there to be able to uh, celebrate with me is it was really special. You know, a lot of my friends, uh, especially the ones that were there, uh, like there's not a lot of hockey players, like high level hockey players around my yeah. age around here. So all my friends are, you know, high school friends that, you know, just normal guys that go to university and, you know, they're always so happy for me and to have them there and my parents and all those people. It was uh, it was an emotional day for sure. Now, have they switched over to being Devils fans? Because I imagine most, you're in Ontario, right? So yeah. most are maybe Leafs fans. And probably today we're recording this the day after the Leafs were eliminated from the postseason. <laughs> but have you converted them at all to Devils fans? How does that yeah, I'm sort st- of work? I'm still working on it. I think uh, <laughs> I think the, the Leafs game yesterday might have helped push them a little bit as well. <laughs> so who did you idolize? Who did you emulate growing up as a goaltender? Definitely Martin Broder would be the number one. I think Carey Price, as I started to get a little bit older, but yeah, Martin Broder, I mean, I had, there used to be, I used to have books around my house, uh, you know, read them all the time. And I used to love the way that he played the puck. I think that was what made me the biggest fan of him. And, you know, that's kind of where I got my motivation. I used to go outside with a blocker and glove and my goalie stick and pretend I was Martin Broder playing the puck. But I think, uh, you know, growing up, it was it was definitely him. Have you had a chance to speak with him at all? Um, I spoke to him at the draft. Uh, he congratulated, he called me and congratulated me, but not since then, no. So I guess the question is, because you've been on a high stage, I mean, you played for the Canadian World Junior Team, you've been drafted, et cetera. So I don't know if there are stars in your eyes per se, but I'm just wondering what it was like to get a phone call from an all-time great welcoming you to the organization that he helped put on the map. Yeah, that was that was really special. I mean, like I said, my he was my favorite goalie growing up. So to be able to talk to him and you know be drafted into an organization that he's a part of, that was uh, that was really cool. That was uh, that was one of those moments that you know you never forget. Did he give you any advice? Yeah, <laughs> uh, just keep working hard, keep doing the things that I'm doing. Nothing crazy. What about when it comes to, you know, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, the, the playing the puck and all that from Marty, but when it comes to a goaltender like Carey Price, who you said you started to watch as he sort of came up in the league, what are the things that you maybe look for in other goalies that you want to implement in your own game? Like, what, what do you focus on there? Um, you know, this, especially, I mean, with a guy like Carey Price, I mean, super skilled goalie, of course, but you know, the things that I try to take away from his game is his calmness and his patience. You know, that's something that I try to implement into my game and, you know, the way he does it and makes it look so effortless is, you know, something that I always try to pick up on and, and try to work on. And, you know, there's different things from every goalie in the league that, you know, I could probably learn from. And, you know, everybody, I think the thing with goalies is, you know, there's no two goalies that are really the same. Everybody kind of has their, their own weird style. So I think, uh, you know, there's, there's bits and pieces from everybody that you can pick up. Do you thrive on being the last line of defense? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's one of the main attractions of being a goalie is just knowing that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressure on you, but, you know, you got to be able to enjoy the pressure. What is your quote-unquote weird style? <laughs> <laughs> when um, someone watches Nico Dawes play, what do they see? Uh, I mean, they see a big guy in the net. I think, uh, you know, I use my, my frame and my body to take up a lot of the net. And uh, I just try to play as efficient as possible, really. I mean, I try to not overreact and and play super calm. And I think one of the stronger parts of my game is the way that I read the play. And, uh, you know, almost 
know what's going to happen before it happens per se. And um, I think that's something that, you know, obviously that's what you'll see if you watch me. This well, was a really, oh, sorry, go ahead, Maddie. No, I was just say we plan to, by the way, don't worry about <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this has been such a unique year for everybody, whether people were playing in the, um, the NHL or really anywhere in the world when it comes to, I guess any game you're talking about. Um, obviously, the OHL did not have a season this year, but you went to Germany and you made that decision to go to a place that you're familiar with. I imagine you still have family there. What was it like for you to play in the German league this year? You know, it was really cool. I've, uh, it was really nice for me to be able to, uh, you know, it was comfortable. We made that decision with, uh, you know, my agent, my parents, and we made the decision to go over there for the season. And it was comfortable. Like my mom flew with me for the first two weeks and, you know, we had family visiting all the time and I've been to Germany before we went back and we went in 2017 as a family. So, you know, a little bit comfortable. I know a couple German words. I like, I could kind of get by on my own and, um, you know, having, you know, family close support by and, and just being able to experience, you know, hockey in Germany. That was, uh, that was really cool. And I imagine, you know, the shots that you're facing, you're, you know, you're playing against professionals, which, you know, n- not that you're not in, in junior hockey, you're playing with your peers there, but that must have been different, the level of competition. Yeah, I think this year was a really important year for me. I mean, of course, you're playing professional hockey, like it's a, it was a big step for me and to be able to do it overseas and even just the little things like, you know, learn to live on my own and cook properly for myself and do laundry and, you know, all those little things that sound stupid, but, you know, they're really important skills. And I think, yeah, that was, that was, you know, a really good year for me. And, you know, I'm, I had a pretty decent year in that, you know, may not have had the best stats, but, you know, I think all the, uh, the extra things is what really made it important. I think that's really important to note too, because especially with a team like New Jersey, that's so young, we have so many guys that have come in and you're right, you know, they burn their toast, they do all these things because they haven't done it yet. So you said you're learned, you learned a little bit, you know, how to cook for yourself. Like, what did you go to as something that you knew that you could rely on without Uh, messing it up? (laughs) I mean, I was, I'm a big stir fry guy. Um, I love a good stir fry. That's That's pretty good. Well, like my dad, uh, my dad went to, he went to school to be a, like, he's a red seal chef. So he used to work oh. in the, the cooking industry. So, I mean, he loved trying to teach me and my sisters how to cook growing up and you pick up bits and pieces everywhere. And whenever you don't know how to cook something, you can just call him. So that was, that definitely helped out a lot. So, yeah. So you definitely didn't start from scratch when it came <laughs> to learning how to cook for yourself. No, had a little <laughs> bit of experience, but not too much. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So you've got this musical background, you've got this culinary background, <laughs> you've driven the, the car right down the hockey lane. Uh, that's great. We love learning more about you. So where is Ingolstadt located? That's the team you played for? Yeah, it's in uh, more southern Germany, uh, southern Bavaria, to be specific. But um, it's nice. It's about an hour from Munich, which is where, you know, a lot of my family resides around there. So they were nice and close. And, and what is the fan base like there? Is it, is it a passionate fan base? Did they draw well? Did COVID prevent fans from coming to the arena? Yeah, we, the, we couldn't have any fans in this year. But, um, you know, during in playoffs, when we started playoffs, we had fans lining up outside the building when we drive in for the game and um, heard a lot of stories. I heard hockey fans over there are, are really crazy. Like it gets wild in those arenas. I heard they're similar to soccer fans where, you know, they never sit down and they're chanting the whole time. And, I'd like to go back there someday to watch a game and uh, really experience it. 
Well, I know, Amanda, you had the experiences I did a few years ago in, in Bern and uh, when Nico Hesha returned to Switzerland and the, the Devils played there against the Bern Bears. And yeah, it was phenomenal. I mean, the fans don't sit down, they wave their flags and they have a section for the visiting team supporters, which in this case was a little different because, you know, we were the Devils. We weren't bringing a lot of fans from across the <laughs> pond. But nonetheless, so- it's like it's like to keep the fans segregated. The visiting fans are really segregated from the home fans because they're the passions are, are so inflamed. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to experience that. It definitely was really cool. Um, I know where other fans, you know, really get on board and that would have to be uh you know, supporting Hockey Canada, Team Canada at the World Juniors in 2020. And I was going back on that roster just to lead up to this interview. And I realized there are five of you on that team who are now property of the New Jersey Devils. You have yourself, Ty Smith, let's see, Kevin Ball, Nolan Foote, and Dawson Mercer. So who knew that that gold medal winning team would be so packed with New Jersey Devils members? Like, do you know them well, or who do you sort of know from that that group of guys, if anyone? Um, I don't know them too well. I mean, just from, you know, being together at the tournament, but they all seem like great guys. And, you know, hopefully we uh, there's a chance <laughs> that we can all play together in the future because, you know, we had a lot of fun at that tournament. As someone who has been through the journey that you have to to get to where you are now, what was it like to have that, you know, opportunity to play for Team Canada? Because, you know, I'm Canadian myself. I know what that means, especially that tournament for you to be able to be on that gold medal winning, uh, you know, world junior championship team. What, what was that like for you? It was unforgettable. I mean, you know, the two things you dream about as a kid is, you know, winning a Stanley Cup and winning a gold medal at the World Juniors. So, I mean, when I got the invite, um, the invite to camp originally, I was so nervous and like I, I was not expecting it really. I mean, I was so focused on what I was doing in Guelph and, you know, just putting my best foot forward and, and playing good. And all of a sudden I got an invite. I was wild. Um, it was kind of nice. The camp was close to home as well. The, the camp was held in Oakville. And uh, the hotel we stayed at was in Burlington. So everything was kind of close and that was a little comfortable. I'd played at that rink a million times, but I mean, just, I'd never played anything for team Canada before. Like it was my, uh, it was my first go and it was, it was wild. Like going through that camp and I was, I was never calm. I was nervous the whole time. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was, I was really happy to be there. I wasn't really expecting to make the team at all. And, you know, when they told me that I was, I had made the team, that was, uh, yeah, that was a fun. It was a fun phone call with my parents. They were uh, they were really emotional. They were so excited for me, and you know I was so excited too. I can really only imagine. I mean, I I know Matt. You know, you know how much that tournament means, particularly to Canadians, um, and just you know how much pressure is on those young young kids. Mm-hmm. And I see you, you know, nodding there, Nico, because how did you guys deal with that? I mean, the expectation, no matter what, is you know these. 18, 19 year olds go in there and win gold medals. I mean, what was that, you know, dealing with that pressure like? Yeah, it's definitely hard. Um, I can only imagine how much harder it would have been if it was in Canada. And But uh, the, it was a crazy tournament. I mean, the best thing to do is just, you know, turn off social media just in case and just really live in the moment. And, um, you know, I think we did a pretty good job of that. And um, Yeah, it was uh, a lot of pressure, especially, you know, when that puck dropped against USA, that first game of the tournament, I was... Uh, I was shaking. I was so nervous. I was just felt surreal. 
Well, you performed well there. Unfortunately, as the tournament went on, things didn't quite go your way, but you still have a gold medal. And listen, you know, for the amount of kids that want to have a gold medal put around their neck, you're one of the rare few who ha that has had that uh, happen to him. So where is the gold medal? And like, do you break it out once in a while and kind of show it off? No, I keep it in its case. It's in a case with a jersey in the basement. I, uh, I don't want to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I understand that, but yeah, maybe once in a while, just to kind of like show off. Oh, by the way, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. See, it's my, it's my gold. <laughs> that's match. why he has the devil's hat on. That's also yeah, good, right? right? That, yeah. that, that's <laughs> fair right? enough. Fair enough. Uh, I just want to go back a little bit because you mentioned it a couple of times about uh, losing weight and changing your diet. You know, how much weight did you lose, and what did you have to do to get there and now maintain that playing weight, if you will? Um, it was, it was really hard. I, uh, I started off doing a keto diet for two weeks and that was kind of just a, a kickstart. And then after that, it was working with, a, a nutritionist, just, a just honestly, it was good for the first two weeks with the nutritionist. Just, it was really learning, you know, what my body needs at what times and what to eat when, and it was really important. And, and having that nutritionist there, um, it was, it was really good, but I ended up losing, I think I started the summer. 225 226 and when i went to camp at guelph i weighed in at 202 so just about 25 pounds i lost and it, um, you could see it too you could tell what did you have to give up um <laughs> carbs a lot of carbs i didn't eat a whole lot of carbs over the summer and you know i was a big fan of carbs so that was tough what did you feel as like a main difference once you, you know, you went into camp, you weigh in and then you go in and have this great year. What did you feel in your game that was different by that? Um, you know, physically I felt a lot faster. I felt like I could get, you know, around the crease a lot quicker. And, but I think, um, you know, mentally it was the confidence, you know, being able to, to look at yourself and think, wow, like I'm in really good shape right now. I think that, uh, that transfers over to whatever you're doing in life. And yeah, yeah, I definitely had a lot of confidence. So now what takes place between now and when we get ready for the next season? The preparation, of course, for you is ongoing, but what do you do between now and when you'll eventually come to New Jersey? Um, I think just just really training. Um, that's that's about it. Just training hard, getting ready for camp, you know, trying to get in the best condition possible I can and, and uh, you know, make sure I, I stay good on the ice and after that, it's, uh, that's about it. I mean, no, not much else to do. What type of access do you have right now? Cause you're in Ontario and things are pretty, uh, strict in terms of lockdown. What have you been able to manage in terms of sticking with what you're talking about? Um, so I think because I am on a, I don't know exactly for sure what the rules are, but I think pro athletes can still train. Gotcha. So I, ha yeah, that I makes have sense. been able to, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you have to wear a mask when you work out and all that and socially distance. But luckily, I still have been able to train. And so I've kind of gotten a kickstart on the summer already. The, the last one I'll ask of you, and I want to test your knowledge of honeymoon suite. Do you have a lot of honeymoon suite knowledge? Can you help me out with that? <laughs> Not a whole lot. I, can all right, well, I, I, had, I had to look it up, to be honest with you. So what do you know what the name of their best selling single in America was, it hit number 34 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1986. This is mean, was it, Maddie. This was is, it, was it romantic, romantic Traffic? Was that it? 
Oh, that is one of their hits. It's Feel It Again. Oh, but you know what? Shit. I'm going to give you all the points. <laughs> you get all the points anyway. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know a whole lot of their songs, but I do know Romantic Traffic. There we go. I'm not familiar with the Spoons, by the way. Amanda, you said you were familiar with the Spoons. A, a little bit. Yeah, I absolutely do. You know, my sister's a musician, right? So I did not know we, that. Yes, my sister is a musician. She's been a musician forever. And so I've been able to dip into a lot of Canadian music through her and learn a lot of things. So yes, I do know the Spoons. Or just it's actually just Spoons, I believe, not the Spoons. Yeah, just Spoons. I yeah, think. just Spoons. spoons. Yeah. All right. well, I, just re- I just realized in my answer. I think romantic traffic is from the spoons, it's not spoons? Is it from yeah. the spoons. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, way off there. It could be. I'm going it to is. Do that. You're right. I just looked it up. I just yeah. looked it up. Yeah, it See, is. Okay. Spoons. There you All go. Right. Fair enough. Trivia, we're talking, guys. We're talking, uh, moldies but goodies right oldies but goodies it's all it's all good well nico thank you so much for your time uh it's been a blast we got to know you uh both on the ice and off the ice and we're looking forward to meeting you in person congratulations on all that has occurred to you to date many more good things ahead we trust and we look forward again to seeing you soon yeah thank you very much thanks for having me on congrats on the new house honey what's this Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, but one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. Well, I don't know if we resurrected some sales, uh, at least some <laughs> online listens, maybe, of uh, of. Uh, I bet you spoons. they get online listens. I bet okay. you. I bet right. you. Just because uh, you have to now. Yeah, exactly. It's it's possible. We've we've resurrected the band a little bit. Uh, an '80s glam rock pop metal. New uh, wave kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so pretty cool. But uh, really cool to speak with Nico. Level-headed kid. Yeah. When he described the way he plays, I think his personality actually is on display on the ice, right? Nothing too flashy necessarily. Just gets the job done. Good position. And I like the fact that he talked about his IQ, kind of seeing the play before it develops. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think as someone who's watched Carrie Price play a lot too, like given that I'm from Montreal and that I covered the team for so long and hearing him talk about the way Carrie plays, you can kind of see that in just his attitude on how he approached the interview and how he talks very cool, calm and collected. So uh, I, I think we got a good one here, particularly as a human being. I mean, he's just, you know, just listening to him talk about his own self-assessment throughout his young career and when he knew he had to make changes. And, you know, he said it in the interview. I I told my trainer, I told my goalie coach, this is what I want to do. You know, I need to focus on it. How do I do it? And that that's not easy for a young man. No. And especially you get overlooked in your draft year. You do get drafted as an overager, but in between so much success reconstructing your body, reconstructing your game, going to the world juniors as a member of the gold medal winning team from Canada and then goalie of the year and all that sort of stuff. And the devil's happy to take advantage of a goalie on the rise and the maturity that he showed in recognizing what he needed to do and then pursuing that and the maturity displayed in the interview. I think 
shows why the devils are high on him. Aside from the fact that his frame, you know, he's six, four, he's like Mackenzie Blackwood. He is, he is. Maybe he doesn't weigh as much. He, he said he dropped that weight and he's probably in that 205, 210 range, whereas Mackenzie's like 225, 230. But, but he has that like long feet, mm-hmm. right? Like that long look to him. So, and that, now see what I'm really hoping for is that um, eventually he does play with the devils and then we have a father's trip. And then Mr. Dawes comes on the trip and perhaps we have some sort of family activity where someone's cooking. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I like your thinking. <laughs> I like the way you go. I like and the ho- way you, you know, go. Hopefully things will be back to normal where Maddie, you're, you're with us on the road and you can indulge too. Nico t- told us off of the podcast that his dad cooks an excellent steak. So I know, Maddie, you don't eat meat, but no, exactly. I'll so I'll just yours. have this. I'll have that's fair enough. I'll have the sides. <laughs> so that'll wrap things up on this edition of Speak of the Devils. Thanks to our producer, Chris Williams. Again, Amanda, fantastic being with you and looking forward to uh, more adventures this summer. And at some point, the borders will be okay again, know, no I quarantine know. and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we'll be able to see each other. At least I can come it's back to months. Jersey, no problem. Right? Exactly. I don't have to quarantine when I go back, but it's nice to be home. I'll be able to see some family and then I'll return to my second home, New Jersey, uh, before the NHL draft. And as much as I love my summers in New Jersey, there is nothing like summer no. in Montreal. You're right. You're Having absolutely right. <laughs> many, many, many trips to Montreal in the summertime. There is nothing like it. Love it in the winter for hockey too, but boy, things, it, things well, <laughs> it opens okay. up come summertime. And so hopefully it will uh, as we pull through all of this. At any rate, that'll wrap up Speak of the Devils for this week. It's brought to you by... Uh, RWJ Barnabas Health, the official healthcare partner of the New Jersey Devils. For Amanda Stein, I'm Matt Lachlan. Thank you for your company. It's always appreciated. Until the next time, thanks for listening. Be safe, be well. So long.